Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Go ahead, Key. Bring us back or take us out, maybe for the final time. This doesn't go. <laughs> Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented I, by. I can see Key in the club right now, Zubin. He'd be wild. I'd be sweating, sweating all through that T-shirt. Oh, no, nah, man. Air conditioning, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline. You heard him say the callers yesterday in Cleveland on 850, our great affiliate there, see a Kelly Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb was the quarterback the last time the Browns took part in a playoff game back in 2002. He threw for 469 yards. They lost a wild card game to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's who they're going to face on Sunday night. But they're going to do so without head coach Kevin Stefanski among five Browns to test positive. He will not be able to coach Sunday night. He will not be around the team any point on Sunday, I want to mention Alex Van Pelt, who's the quarterback's coach, will call the plays. He hasn't called plays since 2009. Mike Prefer, who is the special teams coach, will take over as the interim head coach. Loss of Stefanski, Key, how big is this? Uh, I, it's huge. I, I, you, look, he's the head coach. The voice is different now. Alex Van Pelt, yes, he's called plays in 2009. He's the quarterback coach. Baker Mayfield has heard his voice in the headsets and on the telephone when he's sitting on the bench. There's no question about it. But it's about the rhythm. It's about being able to make in-game decisions. We went through this with Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian in college football when he had to take over. The interesting thing about that, though, is Steve Sarkeesian was a head coach before, so he understood in-game decisions. Alex Van Pelt, not so much. And Now he's called plays, but what happens at that moment when you got to make that snap decision on if to punt, if to go for it, if to kick the field goal, you don't have Kevin Stefanski saying, let's take the three. You know, it, it, it may work out, but Mike Tomlin's been there before on the other side. Oh, yeah. He's the head mm. coach. So think about it. That group without Kevin Stefanski going up against Mike Tomlin, who's been there, done it. That's the, that's the important thing to me. Calm, a sense of calm. Can that staff keep a sense of calm when things start to go in another direction? All of those sort of little things are important. What is the pregame speech? What is that like? Uh, Kevin Stefanski probably walks up to certain players at certain times before games and have a small chat with them because that's what coaches do. Mm -hmm. They walk up to you and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's what's it. And now you feel a lot better. Is that going to happen with him not on the sideline? So all of those sort of things – you got to watch out for come wild card weekend. Key, mark it down. Without Stephen, Kevin Stefanski on the sidelines, the Browns aren't going to win this game. I, I, I think we both slightly had the Steelers as a favorite in this game to begin with, but there was belief coming into the whole thing that the Browns, with their weapons, with the play calling of Kevin Stefanski, with the way Baker Mayfield playing at a high level, with the belief of Kevin Stefanski behind them had a chance. Without Stefanski on the sideline, they do not have a chance to win this game. And look, you guys know I'm into gambling. The line even states Jeez. it. It was a three and a half. It was a three, a three and a hook at first. Now it's six. It's six points, Key. It's six points. That's how much the line has been inflated due to Kevin Stefanski not being on the sideline. I just, I, you may mention of the rhythm. You may mention of how important he was. I just don't see the same continuity now bringing in a guy like Alex Van Pelt who hasn't called play since 2009, there's no way he can have the same kind of calmness and composure that Kevin Stefanski would have in critical moments. There's no way he can have that. I've never been in a situation where my head coach was not on the sideline, but I've been in situations where my head coach has taken over play calling duties because it wasn't going in the right direction. 
and it didn't feel the same as the original offensive coordinator calling the plays. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight into a little information here on Prefer. One other thing, you know every assistant in the league, you know every guy that's been a cup of coffee in the league. Bill Callahan, offensive specialist yes. on the Browns staff, he was in coronavirus protocols last week. Unclear if he'll be able to help. Certainly his offensive acumen would help if he could get out there and help Prefer. I'll sell you this on Prefer. This is a odd, but maybe this is why it happens. Prefer has actually been an interim head coach once before, and believe it or not, Key, NJ, it was due to a medical emergency. A few years ago, Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings had emergency eye surgery. You may not remember this, but he's had eye problems for a long time. Yes. And Prefer essentially stepped in. They played the Dallas Cowboys. That was a very good Cowboys team, like a 13-3 and Cowboys team. They ended up losing the game. So right now he's 0-1. And by the way, that's what his kids, this tough crowd here at home. I was his about kids to say, nicknamed him. <laughs> his kids have nicknamed him 0-1. Oh, those are his kids. That's a that's tough crowd blood. coming home. 0-1 in the regular season. Now you got a playoff that you're going up against to try to extend the hope of the Cleveland Brown faithful to get to the second round, and you're 0-1. That gave them a lot of hope in Cleveland right now as they're listening to a Zubin. So, Jay, take me inside this just as a fan, right? This guy's a special teams coach. We should mention this. Key said it'll be more CEO. Should we go forward on fourth down? This, that, whatever. Just take me inside the mind of an athlete. You know him. He's on the staff. The one advantage of being a special teams coach is that you do generally commiserate with players on offense and defense. Yes. A special teams yes. coach kind of knows everybody on the roster. But inside the mind of an athlete, he's your guy, but he's not your guy. Well, my thing is that I, I, I build a consistent level of trust with my head coach, throughout my tenure, right? And if you think about what Kevin has done for this organization, look, whether you have Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron as your, your coach of the year in the league, I have Kevin Stefanski as my coach of the year. I mean, taking this team to the playoffs for the first time in 20, uh, close to 20 years, it just, like, that trust is important. Baker Mayfield is having the best year of his career. The best year of his career. And, and essentially, you know, everybody talks about his contract. Like, that, that level of trust, that bond is so tight. Now to replace that with somebody that, yeah, you have somewhat of a rapport with, you talk to here and there, but no way at the same level that you talk to Kevin Stefanski, Key. There's not that trust there. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I, I'm not going to just trust in Van Pelt to make those calls down the stretch. I have to more trust in my inner tuition and maybe make some decisions on my own potentially. And that puts him in a very precarious situation. The, the good thing about the – Van Pelt situation is that he's the quarterback coach. So he is in constant communication with not only Baker Mayfield, but Kevin Stefanski on the headsets. They're going over what the next play is going to be. So he has some sort of knowledge about the way the game should be called. Now, whether or not when the lights come on and you hear that buzz and it becomes bright, that all of a sudden you freeze up. I don't know. We'll see. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. A reminder to tune in to Mike Greenberg's show, Greeny, which immediately follows our show. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right here on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside. The stories of the day is only Mike can. Newsmakers, the A-listers you'd expect. He'll interact with you every single weekday morning. From Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny. Weekday mornings right here on ESPN Radio. On the way are the Eagles telling Doug Peterson to fly, Eagles fly. Right out of Philly, we'll ask an all-time beloved Eagles great. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Those are the voices of resident Giants fan Jay Williams. At the end, Giants head coach Joe Judge and Key there in the middle. Everybody has been weighing in on all of this since Sunday night. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, including the legendary Brian Westbrook, the Eagles legend. He'll join us in just one moment. Brian did some amazing things in the Eagles' backfield yeah. over the years. Come on now. <laughs> we'll get to Brian here in just a second. One of the guys that's rolling right now in the Eagles' backfield, of course, is the young kid, Miles Sanders, out of Penn State. And he was honest, raw, visceral, and cathartic when he was asked yesterday on Sports Radio 94 WIP how the fellas felt about Jalen Hurts being pulled for Nate Sudfeld on Sunday night. Um, man, uh, if, if, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, no, nobody liked the decision. Nobody. And that's, not, that's all I could say. Mm-hmm. Really, but um, I don't know what what was the who was the main person behind that decision. But um, all that, all I know is a lot of people on the team was was confused. Mm. Who was the main person behind it? Love the murkiness. Let's jump into it with Brian Westbrook. He joins us this morning again on the Goodyear Hotline. He's an analyst on ninety seven five, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Made the Pro Bowl a couple times, an All Pro player, and an Eagles legend. Good morning. Take us what inside. What up, B West? <laughs> Take us inside. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good morning. Good, man. How are you? Take us inside. What's going on? You're there, boots on the ground, a former player taking calls every day. What is the fallout here nearly three days later? Well, I think it really depends on your perspective. Now, if you're a fan, if you're just a fan of the, 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 the organization, you want the best draft pick that you possibly can have. So the sixth pick is much better than the ninth pick. You figure you can get a better quality player at that point at the sixth pick. But I, I can only speak from a player's point perspective. And, and I kind of feel the same way that Miles Sanders. When you're in the game, you know, you're just one, one singular focus. You're taught to win. That's the player's code, that when you're on the field, when you're on the court, 
you do everything that you can to win. And I just, I, I just remember being toward the end of my career. And if I was lucky enough to make it to week 17, right, and I, I lasted the entire season, lucky enough to make it to week 17 with, with your body being beat up every single day and then going out there and having to compete on Sundays, then, and, and I'm playing, then, then we're going to win the football game. That's the goal. Now, I, I think there's a big difference between coaches that, are, that, that go out during the week and say, hey, we're not going to play all of our starters. We're not going to put them in the position, and we're going to keep these guys out of the game. And that's what Doug Peterson did. He said, okay, these are 20 guys because of injury or whatever the situation is, they're not going to play. But to me, once you get in the game, once you get in the game, you play and you coach to win. And to me, you know, when I, when I watched it, uh, taking Jalen Hurts out at that point in the game was not coaching to win. And I think that's what a lot of the players had issue with. Right. What's up, B? How you doing, man? What's up, Key? How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm hanging in there. Would it be Would it have been different for you if Doug Peters decided to come to the players and I don't know have a conversation about the plan? Because it seems like and it sounds like there was no communication with him about what it is that he was intending on doing. You know, I think it it may have felt a little bit better, but to me, again, I wouldn't have felt very, very much different because let's say he comes to us with the plan on Wednesday. Hey, you know, guys, we're trying to get the six pick. And then now as a player on the team, as a veteran on that team, as a guy, Brandon Graham, in your 11th year, just making your first Pro Bowl, you're asking yourself, well, what, what am I doing on the field then? Why, why am I in the position to risk my life, my, my, my livelihood, my ability to stay healthy at the end of the season that doesn't really matter, uh, and, and why am I out there on the field? So every player can question that. If you want to turn this into a preseason game, then turn it into the fourth preseason game. Take everybody out, all the people that, that are going to matter and suddenly you know, have NFL experience, take all those guys out. But that's not normally how you do things um, in the NFL. You go out there and you play to win. So to me, I think, um, you, you know, from the player's perspective, the, 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 the truth still is that you go out there and you play to win every single play, every single down. That, that you know, changing the way that you look at it, to me, wouldn't change the perspective from the player side. Let me ask you this, B. Is it, was it a collective effort by the organization as a whole, Jeff Lurie along with, with uh, Howie Roseman, or was it just all Doug? Well, that, that's the big question. That's what everyone is trying to figure out. I mean, you, you know, you got you to gotta question, uh, if you're in the organization, again, <laughs> the perspective is, if you're in the organization, that you probably would rather have uh, the sixth pick rather than the ninth. In my opinion, if I'm the coach, my culture, the character of my program is more important than sliding up three picks. And, and I'll give you an example. L- last year, the, uh, the Patriots, played the Dolphins early on in the season. They beat them by 43, 43 zip, right? Beat them up. I mean, just embarrassed them. Then you come week 17, they they play each other again. And Brian Flores is down there in Miami trying to build a program. He's trying to build culture and character of his football team. He could have very easily said, you know what? I don't care about winning. I want a better draft pick. But he went out there and decided to have his team fight. He decided to have his team compete to try to win. Because he's trying to build, build culture. He's trying to build character in that locker room, in that organization. And that was important to them. To me, that's the same type of attitude and mentality I would have as a coach. So, yeah, I don't know where it came from, Key, but I just think 
if I'm the coach, the only way that I know how to teach my, my guys to have a better season and to do better and to live the culture and character that, that we're trying to instill is to win football games. And every chance I get to, to do that, I'm going to try to do that. B. West, when you're talking about the culture, what does it say about the relationship between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz? Because it seems like that's one of the many fractures in the culture. What's your take on that? Well, it just doesn't seem that Carson and Doug are on the same page. Uh, you know, Jay, I, I think when you listen to Doug talk, he's saying that, that him and Carson have a great relationship. Then you fast forward and look at what Carson is saying, or, or the reports at least are saying, um, that Carson believes that the relationship is fractured and that it can't be repaired. So I, I think that's something um, that the Eagles have to figure out if it can be repaired. T to me, you know, the only way to repair it based upon some of the things that have come out, the reports that have come out, is for Carson to be named the starter and there to not be any competition at all. The, the, the hard part, and this is what we know about sports and, and being in the locker room, guys, is that, you know, when you struggle a season like Carson has struggled, that there's going to be competition. And, and at every other position, you know, probably besides the quarterback, there normally would be that competition. And so I, I think, um, you know, Carson hasn't loved what was going on in the organization from all reports that we've seen. He hasn't, he hasn't appreciated the fact that um, Jalen Hurst was drafted. He hasn't pre appreciated the fact that he, he doesn't think they have supported him in the way that, that he would like as a quarterback. And that's the conversation that Doug and Carson and probably Howie Roseman, the GM, need to have um, and, and try to figure out if they can move forward. But based on the reports that, uh, you know, have come out and everything that we've heard that Carson feels, he feels that, that the relationship is fractured. And once you say those things, you put those types of comments out there in the universe, it's hard to backtrack from that. So it's hard for me to see uh, these two uh, sides of it coming back together uh, to win football games next year. It's a fascinating perspective you have. Keep in mind, Carson Wentz, that deal, that $128 million deal, the Albatross, which is essentially the biggest issue the Eagles have in moving him, was signed in 2019. I mean, the middle of 2019, mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago. Brian, really appreciate you having us on uh, your time here this morning. I know it's an early wake-up call, but great perspective on your side. I'm really what's turned into the biggest story, I think, right now in the NFL with Wild Card Weekend coming. Thank you, man. All right, B. All right, Brian. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. You right. too. Great to have him. He'll be on our affiliate 97.5, The Fanatic. So this is interesting. Um, Westbrook just said, I'm going to paraphrase him, it's untenable for Wentz to be there. Yesterday, Mel Kuyper Jr. said, actually, I think Wentz is going to be there and Hertz is going to be an accent piece. So you've got two respected guys going in two different directions. Obviously, there's still a ton to be worked out. But Key, I'm hearing that he could stay. Good argument. And I'm hearing more people say he's got to go. Better argument. Where do you fall? When they first started this a month or so ago, I said that Jalen Hurts would play the whatever remainder of the game, show him what he can do. They'll come in the offseason, and they'll battle it out in mini camps or whatever. Carson Wentz will be named the starter in the summer. He'll get a quick hook three, four games into the season. If he's struggling, then they'll do something with him. It's going to be hard, though, because of the money to move him. Unless Carson Wentz is willing to renegotiate his contract downward to get out of there, that's the only way he's going to move. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to – the Eagles aren't going to absorb a, a, cap, a cap hit at the level that it will take to move him just to get him out of there and not get the value back that they should get for him. 
people aren't going to be willing to pay the type of money for him, not knowing what they're getting. So it's 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 one of those situations where at the end, I, th- I think he's going to still be there. And I think he's going to probably be named to start at the beginning of the 2021 season, see how it goes before they completely do away with him. I think it's a lot of posturing on Carson Wentz's side from his agent. I think it's a lot of positioning from a negotiation perspective to kind of force the hand of the Eagles. But I, I can tell you this, Zubin. I know for a fact, I've talked to multiple people about this. Doug Peterson has lost the locker room. Mm. The culture is fractured on this team. You heard Jason Kelsey make really strong comments after the game. You heard Miles Sanders, regardless of whether he's on his way out or whatever his scenario is, make strong comments. I know for a fact other players feel strongly about the way Doug Peterson has handled this year and not feeling like they were properly communicated. Now, I know Key is on the side of he doesn't owe the players that much to kind of communicate because he has to do what's in the best no, interest no, of the no, franchise. No, 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 He owes the players. Okay. He needs to communicate with the players. He does not owe the media. It's the media, not the players. He should always communicate with the players. He doesn't have to communicate with the media. I, I understand. All I'm saying is that there, it's fractured, man. It is extremely fractured, and whether he can get the locker room back is going to be a question, but I don't, I don't just put that on Doug Peterson. That's upper management and up. That's Howard Roseman. That's Jeffrey Lurie. That's, that's everybody. That, that's an indictment on the whole organization because they've allowed that to occur. Yes, uh, Howie Roseman, the GM, executive vice president, Jeffrey Lurie is the team's owner. Wentz would have the biggest dead cap hit in the history of the NFL at $35 million. And yesterday, the Philadelphia Inquirer reporting two players had to be restrained on the sideline Sunday night. I love that word, restrained. Restrained. (laughs) Stop, man. I get it. But restrained? Like, seriously. Let's go from A to Z and then a serious discussion, seriously, about the college football playoff championship game. Hold me back. And a little alphabet soup from A to Z. Let's go squarely to the NFL. J.J. Wad, who had a boisterous, boisterous press conference a couple of weeks ago, ripping into his teammates for not playing hard in this tough season, was heard apologizing to Deshaun Watson, the two faces of the franchise, for quote-unquote wasting the season. Yesterday, Watson himself said the team needs a complete reboot, culture, energy, Everything The Texans did hire a new GM and Nick Casario. He's got Patriots blood in him. So he's on the way to Houston. They did interview Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator for their head coach opening. All right, Key. So how do the Texans avoid wasting more seasons for Deshaun Watson, who is doing everything he can and is really nothing to show for? Well, it? They, they first they went out and got another Patriot front office guy and Nick Casario. But we've seen this movie before with ex-Patriots, right? I mean, it's just... It's amazing that they would start there, but that's okay. Let's give it a chance and give it a start. Now they have to find the right head coach in the situation because it's not it, – you, you got the front office intact for now. The head coach is extremely important because the culture is going to start with the head coach, not the general manager. The general manager is going to pick the players, but the head coach is going to dictate the way he wants that bottom floor – to, to react and do things, meaning the training room, meaning the, the strength and conditioning coaches, meaning the players coming in and out of the building. How, how do they respond to the new head coach? That's the important piece. 
And secondly, this is the big story from the NFL to college football. We're going to talk about this with our playoff insider in a moment. But, Jay, I want to get your inside perspective. The executive director of the college football playoff, Bill Hancock, says the national championship scheduled to be played Monday night in Miami Gardens, Florida, of course, between Ohio State and Alabama, will go on as scheduled. But sources have told ESPN there have been discussions about postponing the game if they have to. Position group outbreak of the coronavirus on Ohio State. They could move the game to Monday, January 18th, which would be just simply one week after the scheduled date. Should they, Jay, should they, in light of this news, push the game back? I think they should. We, we waited the whole year to see a game of this magnitude. I would like to see both teams at full strength. Now, whether you deem another week allowing Ohio State's position group to get to full strength is still uh, up, you know, up to be decided because who knows how long COVID could actually last in their systems or if other players get it. But still having a, another week of buffer time to potentially have the game at full strength. We went through the whole year to try to get to this point. I don't want to see a team have strength and then the blowout. That's, that's not why we fought to get all the way here. Let's talk about it more with ESPN college football writer Heather Dinnett. She joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. She's also the playoff reporter for ESPN. And here we are, one game to go. She's brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Jay with some really good rationale there with his logic. Right to the facts, though, Heather. What are your reporting telling you about the latest on the national championship game being played as scheduled Monday, January 11th on ESPN? As of right this second, all parties involved, from Ohio State to Alabama, the college football playoff, they want to see this game played as scheduled. Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith said yesterday that that is exactly what they plan on doing. A school spokesman told me that as of right now, Ohio State is planning on landing in Miami at 6 p.m. on Saturday. They had a regular practice on Tuesday. Ohio State coach Ryan Day spoke to the media on Monday and gave no indication that any concern was happening. He did mention the coronavirus and said it's it's a struggle, um, but it has been for Ohio State all season, as you guys know. So Bill Hancock told me Alabama officials said the same. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey told me they all want to see this game on January 11th, and as of right this second, that's when it plans on being played. But what would it take to postpone this game, Heather? Well, look, it's the same thing as every other game during the season, which is medical advice, right? Dr. Jim Borgers at Ohio State is one of the best. He was one of the key figures throughout the entire coronavirus pandemic in the Big Ten's decision-making process. So if it has to be postponed, it would be postponed because Ohio State doesn't have enough players, because the coronavirus pandemic has wreaked havoc through the program again for what if it's a position group, contact tracing, whatever it might be. But I can tell you through my reporting yesterday that I learned before the season began, the CFP management committee, which is comprised of the 10 FBS um, commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, they instituted a threshold policy for cancellation. And I'm going to look at my phone because I can tell you exactly what it said. It said an institution may postpone a game only if it has fewer than 53 roster players available to begin the game. 
with the following minimum number of position players, seven offensive linemen, four interior defensive linemen, and one quarterback. That hadn't been made public before. I thought it's interesting because it is a CFP threshold, which is similar to some other FBS conferences, but different from what the Big Ten followed throughout its season, which was testing positivity rates. Heather, how the protocol is different from each conference protocols we see during like the status of how this whole thing plays out, considering there's not one overall governing body, you know, each set has their own different set of protocols. So what you're saying is, where are you, NCAA leadership, right? right. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, I mean, it is, it is the same thing we see within our country, which is state by state, county to county, right? It's at the local level. And that's college football is a reflection of that. It's, it's exactly the same. And so um, for the most part, you have similar testing procedures. The Big Ten and Pac-12, as we know, had daily antigen tests. Not everyone had that. Everyone has confirmatory PCR tests. I can tell you that Ohio State this week is continuing to do its daily antigen testing. I don't know when its last tests will be or when those results will be available. I would assume, as they have done all season, they would do confirmatory PCR tests before getting on the plane um, for the national championship game. But, yes, guys, it it varies. It, it has varied. Um and I think that's just a, it's a reflection of the conferences doing what they think is right. Um, I will point out, remember earlier, they did, the Big Ten did um, truncate its requirement of 21 days for athletes who test positive to 17 days. So that has been um, a factor for the Big Ten championship game or for the semifinal and possibly now. So I don't want to speculate on exactly what it might be within Ohio State's program. All I can say is that sources have said there were issues within Ohio State that did cause those conversations, at least initially, to talk about possibly postponing. But as Heather, of now, very, we're on track for January 11th. Heather, very quickly, what's the latest on Justin Fields? We got like a minute, Heather, maybe 30 seconds. Ryan Day said that he had no update on the specifics of the injury, but, you know, they're practicing, so we'll see. Expected to go. That is great news for Ohio State fans. They will touch down Saturday and hope for some touchdowns on Monday night. Let's hope it absolutely takes place when it's supposed to. The national title game, of course, can be seen on ESPN, the megacast, all the different broadcasts, and on ESPN Radio, and nobody will be in the center of it all more than Heather, our playoff reporter. Thank you, Heather. Hopefully we will see you on Monday evening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Quickly want to mention, very important, what Heather said there. The Big Ten testing for Ohio State is different than the SEC testing for Alabama. There is no uniformity, so it's different thresholds for both teams to get on the field. Something I just wanted to mention, very important. On the way, it's one of the biggest decisions in all of sports, all the NFL. One guy has absolutely no leverage in the deal, and he loves telling you about it. What in the world is that? We'll talk about it next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.